Hey, everybody, welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing and all of our other podcasts over at blisterreview.com. And per usual, we are once again broadcasting this episode from our home here in the Gunnison Valley of Colorado, where this week's update, things are still currently incredibly green and the trails are in fantastic shape. So you should probably start making plans to come do some riding here in Gunnison and Crested Butte. Now, today we are talking with Dean Payne, who is the president and co-founder of the BC Bike Race, and we're talking about the past, the present, and the future of one of the most epic bike races and events in the world. And as a bonus, Simon Stewart, aka Mr. Tank Driver, and also aka my crack waffle dealer, uh, who you know from previous Bikes and Big Ideas episodes, is sitting in today as my co-host to discuss all things BC Bike Race. And actually, just a quick aside here, last night my entire dinner consisted of two crack waffles that our reviewer Ben Sims brought fresh from Simon's Push and Pull Cafe that is attached to his bike shop, Buena Vista Bike Company. So I want to say thanks to Joe Parkin and Simon for the waffles and say thanks to Ben Sims for the delivery of last night's dinner. Okay, and then full disclosure, I also had more crack waffles this morning for breakfast. My name is Jonathan Ellsworth and I clearly have a problem. Anyway, Simon and Dean go way back, and in honor of Dean and the BC bike race, we thought it would be fitting to have this conversation on Canada Day, July 1st, to talk about the origins and evolution of the BC bike race, to hear from Dean about what all goes into putting together a complex and great event like this, and in keeping with our present COVID times and the fact that the race had to be canceled this year, we talk a bit about what goes into that process and how Dean is actually using this moment to think about ways to tweak the BC bike race for next year and subsequent years. And so now we will go ahead and let Simon Stewart kick things off. And since all this talk of waffles has me jonesing hard yet again, I'm going to go have another one now for tonight's dinner. So while I do that, you all can listen to this. Here we go. Well, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm I'm absolutely thrilled to be introducing uh, my good friend, co-founder and president of the BC Bike Race, Dean Payne, and and all on Canada Day as well. So very fitting. Thank you, Simon. Hi there. We are here to celebrate Canada's finest on Canada Day. So, Dean. No pressure. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Dean, you're the um, you're the El Presidente, what what, um, what you're known as for from your employees of the BC Bike Race. Um, you've been doing this event since 2007, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. This um, this event is uh, one of the premier um, stage races in in the world. I think uh, from someone that's also done the race as a participant and also been involved in it as a, what would you call it, a bike patrol employee. Uh, I, I, I am really, I'm, I'm thrilled to be talking to you, Dean. And well, the reason, one of the reasons Jonathan and I wanted to have you on this podcast today is because we're in some strange times at the moment and um, you have an event that unfortunately you've had to cancel. Indeed, yes. I'd say to be in the 
business of social gatherings, people who organize events. Yeah, it's uh, very trying times. And uh, yeah, it's been interesting for sure. Dean, I'd love to have you talk a little bit more about the history of this race. Um, When did it start? What was kind of the impetus for starting this? And how did it evolve? And was that evolution kind of intentional? Or did this thing just kind of take on a life of its own? Okay, sounds like a two-part question there, Jonathan. I think it was three. Three Three-part, okay. So, yeah, our first race was 2007. We finished 07, 07, 07, 2007, July 7th. So that was when we finished in Whistler. And, um, yeah, it had been about a year of planning before that. And um, I was organizing uh, adventure races for 12 years. So I was the director of the Sea to Summit Adventure Race Series. We were the first adventure race, multi-day, multi-sport um, races that that were in Canada, I guess, spawned from the Eco Challenge. And we were the first weekend warrior kind of version of that. So I was doing that for 12 years. And I like to say adventure racing was kind of like um, rollerblading. So there was a year when rollerblading just stopped. Like, I think it was 92, 93, whatever. But anyway, I, I know a friend of mine was in the business of r- rollerblade sales and, and he had 200 SKUs on his wall. And then the next year he sold like none. So hmm. adventure racing kind of abruptly stopped and the the there was a few races around, but the numbers were dwindling and you know, so we were doing multi-sport kayaking, mountain biking, trekking, orienteering. We did zip lines and and uh, yeah, so I was started that in 1995, and you know that ran its course. But I like to say I got my Harvard education in event management in the outdoor adventure setting, and I was at a crossroads. Uh, what to do? You know, I I. Uh, I didn't want to get out of out of uh, organizing start finish lines and organizing people's fun. I really, I really enjoyed it, and so I I had this idea to do uh, an event called Seven, and it was uh, seven days. There was another stage race, the Trans Rockies in North America at the time, and these were epic. I'm gonna say mostly gravel, but backcountry Alberta. BC big mountain experience kind of events and they were riding from from town base camp to base camp so that was kind of the essence of stage racing but um, mountain bike stage racing so I I thought there should be one on the west coast you know I like I said I was at a crossroads I, I really you know personally needed to do something I, I literally was going to be out of a job so the writing was on the wall so I just kind of I think necessity is the mother of all innovation so uh, I took a few days I had a this old classic RV uh, the executive um, parked it somewhere in the middle of BC and I was on the way back from one of my last three-day events and spent some time by myself and kind of regrouped my thoughts and and I kind of put my thoughts down as to what I really got out of adventure racing and the part I liked the most was the mountain biking component and just the thought of organizing only one sport was appealing so um so i had a, had an idea and then i had a mutual friend um denis fontaine and and he had a, a good friend that i had only heard of as a legend is andreas hessler and he was a he's a he went to the olympics 1996 and 
five-time national champion and he just this kind of legendary figure in the mountain bike scene you know back in the day and uh so i got introduced to him and i kind of i we we talked about this idea i thought it'd be i i heard of him not just in his racing but just how how he conducted himself as an ambassador and just an all-around good guy that everybody liked and a smart guy that's got lots of world experience in events and and so I reached out to him and we went out for pancakes at the pancake house in North Van and uh, <laughs> to Dutch Panacook house. And so we had a conversation and, uh, and I, I said, I, I got this idea. You don't know me really well, but um, how would you like think about getting involved with this? Cause his career was winding down and whatnot. He had won two trans Rockies in a row at that time. And he was, this was right before he was on his way to, to the, his last trans Rockies. And um, he goes, let, let me think about it. He, he went and, and won the last, so three-peat uh, Trans Rockies, which is part of his legend legendary racing career. Came back and he goes, you know, I'm done racing. I, like, I, I'd, I'd love to get involved with this. So the two of us just kind of went about it. Um, we, we brought together all kinds of event professionals from the West Coast, also in adventure racing or mountain bike racing and people in the communities that we were looking to put on an event, which at that time was Victoria to Whistler. And it was all about the point to point back then. So that's, that was Vancouver Island and, you know, over to the mainland up to Whistler. And we had like hundred kilometer gravel grind days on our 26 inch mountain bikes. And so this is all of like, you know, 2007, it was mountain biking was a lot different. And the concept of point to point was kind of what stage racing was at that time. And, We'd pick up a little single track when we came into town, like Cumberland and Port Alberni and these different places. Anyway, Jeremy and Cumberland said, you know, why don't you guys just bus everybody to Cumberland and we can do an almost all single track race course. And we said, nah, that doesn't, didn't sound really appealing. So we sat on that for a couple of years, but so we kind of wanted to find a niche around single track is what we really wanted. So we tried getting people on a bus to Cumberland so they could do all the, the finest trails at that, at the time. And, and then it evolved. So we've had a couple point to points typically, but we're, we've, we evolved to, to probably second point of your question, Jonathan, the evolution point, we evolved uh, a lot of ways organizationally, but in terms of the race route, we, we would move you to the town and pick up a mostly single track race route, which um, really changed the dynamic of things. So the logistics of that are, obviously a, a lot more because we have to transport people, their bags and their bikes to the next town and, you know, all those kinds of things. But that, you know, we had other evolutions where we tried some, uh, the challenge course, like the half of each day. And that didn't really work out, uh, for more than a couple of years. We had, um, I am, I'm having a, a flashback as well, but those earlier, those earlier, uh, BCBRs, the first few were, only teams, uh, teams of two. Is that is that not right? Before you decide you have a solo class as well. Yeah, we had teams of two. We even had teams of four. And then solo was like, we didn't start out with solo. So that was kind of a breakaway from the tradition of teams of two as the main format with the Cape Epic, uh, Trans Alps, Trans Rockies. These events were all about team of two. So yeah, I remember the first year it would have been 2009 or nine when we dabbled in the solo category and and now it's about um 50 50 in terms of solo teams Mm -hmm. of two 
So yeah, lots of lots of uh, little evolutions, and, uh, and and broad stroke evolutions as well. Just how mountain biking has changed. The trails have matured over the years. That how the trails are built for more for flow. Trail builders in BC are um, it's like a career now with you know management of of uh, trail networks in each town. So that that was very just starting out in 2007. So fast forward to where we are now, um, the inventory of trail in British Columbia is exponentially a lot more and also different. So, and it, it matches up with the trail bikes and, and, and the flavor of each town's different based on the terrain. So, so yeah, so it's, it's been British Columbia. Um, our success has followed the success of, of the, of the province and it's, how we've gone about making mountain biking happen in, in all these small towns. Yeah. Dean, what kind of n- numbers were you seeing in the last year or two, just in terms of participants? Yeah. So we're, we're between five fifty and six thirty the last few years. Um, I think what we're most proud of all these years is the international pull to come visit us. So I think we've had in the off the high sixties uh, countries represented in our history. So that's that for us has been very humbling. Uh, going back to um, going back to two thousand and seven again, just a little reminiscing. I I remember the yeah the advertisements for for the event back then with the the number seven. It was going to be a seven day stage race in British Columbia and and just going wow that is incredible. And um, there was a lot of buzz. Everybody that I knew, you know, we, I was, you know, working with Bike Magazine again at the time, and everybody was really enthusiastic about it. Everybody wanted to go. That right. was the thing, and and um, it was the event to go to, and and that hasn't changed over the last thirteen years. It's still got the buzz. Um, it's incredible. Like how how do you how do you do it? Well, actually, I know how you do it because I've I've been to it, but that's something worth talking about. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's that good. Oh man, thanks, Simon. Um... You know, it's, it's, we refine it every year and it's, it's our team, it's our culture, it's the communities we work in. And, you know, we work a whole year on this from the time, uh, from the time the event's over, the next year's planning begins literally the next day. So I think, I think it's been focused on, you know, one event and really refining it. So that's, that's been, I think, and our culture, like I got to say, the, the care factor of, of our crew and our, our, our staff, our, our management team, our volunteers in the communities, um, I think the, the genuine hosting and the, the care has, um, we've been well represented uh, in British Columbia when people come out and put their heart and soul into this. So yeah, it's, um, and event management is, it's detail management. So we, we, we have a, a group, a management team that we meet every Monday and we get into all kinds of debates and we, it, we call it a, conver- a conversation. And at first we think we have nothing on the agenda for the week. And then three, three hours later, we're, we're still debating something and, and we may or may not have gotten anywhere further. But so when you're literally managing everybody's week from the, the, every single minute from the time they come into our care till we, you know, have to finally say goodbye and you got to get on the bus now and your airport shuttle's here. That whole 
eight, nine days, it's definitely well orchestrated and planned out. So that's, that's what makes it so special for the, um, for the racers is it's unique because you get to turn off your brain to everything else around you that you have to do, except for riding your bike. Everything That's else right. is planned. Mm-hmm. Everything else is dialed. You know where to plug. You know where to go oh. to find a battery charger. You know how to get a shower. Someone's making you food. Someone's got your dinner sorted out for you. Someone's got your breakfast sorted. Um, it, it just is just such an amazing thing to be able to switch off all the rest of those parts of your brain and just focus on on the writing. Yeah, that's what we're offering. And and I think most of our people come to us from word of mouth. We do a lot of really creative marketing. We got an in-house marketing team with a great videographer team and photography team. But at the end of the day, the experience, people go home and they're blown away. They tell their, their riding buddies that they have to do this experience that is, for most of these people, they're pretty to organize your life to, to come do something this extravagant and travel with your bike like these are people that are pretty switched on or generally in control of their life and they're generally like <laughs> there's a little bit of psychology behind this so we have they're they're all kind of not they're not all, i wouldn't all say triple a personality types but they're you know focused you know people that are used to planning everything so when they can just switch their brains off and we like to start that off in the, the pre-race meeting to get them kind of warmed up for the week and give them their expectations and set the intention and entertain them and kind of just basically tell them, just follow our lead because if you have to get on a bus, then just follow along and just be on time and just get out of your tent at this time and, and just we'll take care of you. So yeah, it's it's and there's this phenomenon too when, when people go back to their regular lives They, you know, we warn them actually that there's the post BC bike race blues. So, you know, they don't have a meal card that tells them what time their breakfast is. So they they don't, they have to make their own breakfast and, you know, they have to set their own alarm. They don't hear the crazy chicken uh, sound in the morning from, from John that's been doing that every year. And they don't, they don't (laughs) have um, everything planned for them. And then, you know, they're kind of stunned and they're back in their life where, People aren't as friendly every moment to them and and they're not with other people who love mountain biking as much as they do and whatnot. So yeah, we create this alternate universe for the week for, for people. And, you know, our goal as a, as a group is to blow their minds. And we've had a lot of people tell us, you know, when we bump into them around the world that we, we have blown their minds and, and um, yeah, so we're pretty, we're proud of all that. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of what we've, what we've been able to create. Yeah. So Dean, you just said we kind of create this alternate universe or alternate reality. Is that something you learned back in the adventure race days, like before you ever put on the first BC bike race? Or is this something that you've really like learned over, you know, each year of putting on this specific BC bike race? Well, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, we're we're creating a mountain bike vacation. So it's a week long. And so that alone, it's, it's kind of like when you go to an all-inclusive resort, say in Mexico, for instance, and you know, your family's taken care of from start to finish, same thing. Mom and dad can kind of just turn it off and the whole family's, you know, having their fun and we're kind of the same. And, and um, I've only really organized Epic super inconvenient and dynamic events. So I don't know, 
So it, it, it is an alternate reality for everybody because it, it takes, I mean, half the battle is just getting to these events, right? You got to register. So you got to commit, <laughs> you've got to get fit. You got to get the right gear, tires, you know, it goes on and it's a, it's a commitment of self. So, you know, we're, um, we're creating something um, extravagant for people to reach a lofty goal and, you know, I think people are hyper-focused as they need to be, as I encourage them to be, um, so they get the most out of this. And it's a selfish pursuit for the week. It, I think it. I tell people it needs to be. I've, we've often told people, don't bring your family. If they, if they ask, I always say, well, why don't they meet you at the finish line? Because, you know, you're going to be kind of useless dad or useless mom anyway at the end of the day. You're going to be sitting there like jello and numb from your day and you got to get ready for your next day. And so, um, it's a, it's a, it's a week of focus and, and Simon, you'll attest to this being a, a racer and bike patrol, but like it's it, the whole week is just, it's a mono focus to get through your week. So from you get off your bike and you're cleaning, fixing your bike, you're eating the right food and you're looking at maps for the next day. You're, you know, refueling, recharging. And, and it's kind of this epic journey that, really does take a lot of self so i think that the alternate universe is we're, we're kind of in that state it's kind of a meditative state if you will like in the big picture but um but for us you know we manufacture that experience and it didn't happen overnight um you know you learn the hard way literally every year we do something wrong we fuck something up every year it's just it's just <laughs> the nature of events so you you you, you feel bad about it. We, we do. And we debrief it to death. And, you know, we, we listen to the riders and we have a detailed survey and, and we refine it. And every year I'd like to think we've, we've gotten better. So it, it's just refining your craft every single year. So. Well, I don't know if now is the time, but we can, it might, as, it might as well be because, uh, and Jonathan, when when we did our podcast, you um, you took me pretty far back into my life, and now you've now you've got something on me <laughs> that you won't let go. <laughs> this, this is true. true. And so, Mr. Tank Driver, I forget. Um, I'd like just to transition just for a second to hockey. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Dean, how do you hockey. feel about that? How do you feel about hockey? You said hockey. <laughs> hockey yes what about hockey simon well dean um isn't there something um, pretty remarkable in, in your past to do with hockey weren't weren't you in a movie <laughs> uh yes simon i i was in a hockey movie called mystery alaska thanks for reminding me of that yeah i was uh, a professional player on a fictional team so I'm guessing you probably have to be okay at hockey to end up in a movie where you are a professional player on a fictional team. Well, I, I played some games in, you know, growing up in Ontario, and and that's pretty <laughs> much what you did. I didn't start mountain biking till 26, so you know that's all we did. We played hockey, so yeah, I played lots of hockey. I did did okay at it for sure. What was the name of the movie? It's called Mystery Alaska. You can you can get it on um, on iTunes, I think. I doubled for a player called Stevie Weeks. He was the the young player, and um, yeah, so I I was the the skating shots that were, um, but it was a Disney production. So I I actually um, that was in 1998. It was very useful to my event event career. 
And I learned a lot actually from just being around that for four months. Got to hang out with Russell Crowe for a few months in Canmore, Alberta. That was interesting. So, yeah. Well, okay. Well, now that you're bragging, well, what's your best? Did you come away with the best Russell Crowe story? Whoa, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just think hanging out with the actors. And uh, so Russell had this log cabin. And, um, so he was like the sheriff in town and, uh, as his character and his double was this guy, Brad Turner. And, uh, he actually had a, had a cup of coffee in the NHL. And, uh, so he was also the coordinator for all the plays we did were choreographed and, and, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I think generally just, you know, he, he liked to have, uh, an after work drink at most nights. <laughs> I, I'm going to say. Every night there was a, a fun night in the Drake one night. Um, so yeah, I was his little buddy one night. So he likes to try and drink you under the table. Called he, oh, he called me the best part. He called me qual. <laughs> he called me koala bear. He used to rub my head and I mean he didn't talk to me. My he would just take his turn challenging people to like drinking and at night and <laughs> and so one night I you know it's like twenty below in Canmore. I staggered home. I I was lucky I didn't just pass out in the snowbank, but. Anyway, he, he likes uh-huh. to drink Jack and Coke, so I guess I did that night too. So, But anyway, I, I, I earned his respect, and he asked me how – he was fresh as a daisy the next day. And, um, wow. So, yeah, th- thanks for the, the, the memory, Simon. But is this a mountain bike uh, podcast we're talking about? No, not really. It's bikes I, and big ideas, and this falls under the big ideas category. Plus, I think we now have our episode title. We're just going to call this The Movie Star and the Tank Driver. Well, I wouldn't say I was a movie star. To segue back to uh, to bikes, um, Jonathan, during one of the BC bike races, I, I think I've done six or seven of them now, but Dean and I were driving together on a, on a transfer day. And uh, he was really excited about showing me something and he, and he wouldn't tell me what it was. And we're just driving along. And we're, in, we're on Vancouver Island somewhere. I think it was the Cowichan stage. Am I saying that right, Dean? Um, I, think I, I think I know where you're going with this. You think I know where I'm going? So we drive up to this. I, I feel like it was like a community center. And, and no shit, it was, it's got the, the world's largest hockey stick and puck. That's right. <laughs> and... <laughs> Duncan, BC, the world's largest hockey stick. Yeah, to That's make correct. this elaborate detour to go to go to this place so he could show me the world's <laughs> largest hockey stick. And and it's true, too, because it's in the Guinness Book of World Records. And, and I looked it up um, prior to this, uh, this podcast so I could give you the details on it. It's 205 feet long yeah. and 60,000 pounds in weight. So, yes. Oh, what? I didn't even know that. Well, it yeah. was impressive. Yeah, it's very impressive. Was it worth the Was it worth the detour? Oh yes. Simon and I get into detours and conversations. We miss exits. That's <laughs> happened lots. Yeah, yeah. A couple times. Okay. Well, that's two things I didn't think we'd be talking about in this podcast. So, um, you know, uh, surprises all around. I want to because I'm I'm just really curious um, about the idea of how to so adeptly manage you know, 600 plus people at a week-long event like this. Dean, um, and you sound like you're quite good at it, Dean. So I would love to ask you, like, for those of us who have not put on events of this magnitude, 
Does anything stand out as maybe the number one and maybe number one and number two things that is like, look, here's what folks like me who have never done this before, here's the thing you probably don't and can't appreciate, um, either in terms of what's particularly difficult or what's just critical to nail. Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is, is team. And we have 275 people who we call them the full pullers. They come from the first day all the way through to the seventh day. And, you know, they're, that's, it's a, it's a management exercise really. So we have different departments like the tent department, the catering department, the bike patrol department. Uh, we don't really call them departments, but, um, yeah, so we have really, there's kind of two things going on. I, I'm going to say most of our effort is off bike. Um, we have a, a, a one event going on on race course. So that's bike patrol, moto, that's our medical team, uh, course director. We have course marshals, local volunteers, uh, nurses, uh, bike mechanic, you know, so we have a whole team out on course at various aid stations and uh, two aid stations and then just throughout the course. And then we have everything going on, setting up and tearing down base camp, which is life off the bike, which, you know, mo most people are typically. Uh, so anyway, so I'm going to say uh, how we operate as it, <laughs> I can say it's almost like a secret cell society. I, I um, <laughs> we, we learned that the people don't actually get to meet each other through the week often. So we've tried to break that barrier down by, you know, we have socials. Uh, a couple socials throughout the year um, so that people can really get to know each other. And, and we do know each other as a team. So we go into race week and um, while everybody's in their department, um, you know, there's always crossover between departments. So working together would be the secret to su success. And, you know, how that happens is there's, there's a, a lot of organicness to that in terms of like how our culture is. So, um, We've had managers that have been around for a long time, and then we have new managers come and go. So we often see a, a new manager take a, a file, if you will, and then we say, hey, just, you know, you don't have to do exactly what the last manager did. Just, you know, put your own spin on things and your own creativity and and uh, just build on this. And, and that, I think that's been... Um, it's it's that's the work we do year round with with the team we we trust our managers and so we have like seven full-time year round and then it's it's a bit of an organizational matrix we we have a series of circles and bubbles on a, a chart somewhere but it's it's not exactly linear and one of the things that we we like to say is we we all work for bob who's bare on bike and he's our beloved logo and kind of, we work for him. We all do myself included Andreas Hessler, my, my partner also like we're, we, um, what would, what would Bob want to do? Well, let's, you know, all right, we're, tr we're trying to be, uh, you know, excellent and the best at whatever we're trying to do. So yeah, I think it's just a culture of, of just trying to do, the best event we absolutely put our heart and soul into. So yeah, hmm. we, 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 everybody cares. I think that's the secret sauce if, if there is one. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I like talking about the event and I could do it all night and, and so could Dean. It's something that we're both very passionate about. The caring is like, I've, I've been on the other side of, of being the one providing the care. And it's, it, it's obvious that everybody feels the same way. Um, and it's what, it's what makes it so special. We want to talk a bit about this year. And I think everyone by now who hasn't been a participant at the BC Bike Race probably by now has a pretty good sense of the kind of heart and attention uh, to detail that goes into this. So, you know, Simon actually, he and I were talking and it was actually his idea to talk to you specifically about this year, which might be kind of counterintuitive to people. Like, really? You're talking to Dean about this race the year it's not happening? But I really appreciated actually Simon bringing it up because precisely because of what a great event it has been for so many years, I know Simon thought that it would be worth probably everybody's time in the mountain bike world and in a whole lot of other walks of life where events are needing to be canceled to have you talk a bit about the decision-making process that went into this. You know, I know there are a lot of disappointed and probably upset racers, um, again, not just at this event, but in events all over the globe. And I think that it's probably worthwhile to hear someone like you talk a bit about like what goes into this. Is that okay? Absolutely. Do you mind doing that? I'm happy to talk about this. It's a difficult topic for everybody. Um, having our, our fun postponed and, and our commitment, we've all put a lot into these big events to put ourselves in a position to you know, register for the event and train for it and, and buy a new bike. A lot of people buy a new bike and get the time off and from your family and, and just the, yeah, the overall commitment, it's been uh, disappointing for people. And, and that's, that's hard to, to deliver that bad news for sure. But so talk about the process. I mean, this year we're seeing COVID flare-ups and kind of, you know, things are kind of ebbing and flowing along those lines. Like, how and when did you guys start thinking, man, are we going to be able to do this? Or maybe we do a modified version or talk, talk to us a bit about right. that. Well, I got to say the first thing that comes to mind, it, like I said earlier, it, it has been a roller coaster of emotions. So I guess for me, it, it started, there was some report that came in in a January meeting with some things happening in, in China and, and we had to get some product delivered from there. And so we were conservative on what we were, we we're just, you know, conservative in some, some purchasing and then, and then hadn't really thought about it much. And we went, we were at, uh, as a group, there was three of us from BC bike race that were down representing, uh, with Rocky mountain bikes at the Sedona mountain bike festival. So at that time, when it was starting to be a buzz around and sea otter had just canceled uh, the day, the day it started on, on the Thursday or Friday, I think it was, but of course I was with uh, Mark Savinoff. He, he's the founder and director of uh, outer bike. And I know I was in complete denial. Yeah. I was BC bike race is not canceling. I was like, actually at one point I'm in the beer garden with, with Sevi. I was just ranting. This is not happening. We're not canceling no matter what. And, and, um, you know, we were a, a group of Canadians that were down at this festival, 
between Rocky Mountain Bikes and a few other brands. And and we knew like we were getting reports back home. Um, like I, I live in North Van in, in, a, in a place, a subdivision called Lynn Valley. And Karen, who works with us, she, her, she lives in Lynn Valley and her kids are in Lynn Valley. My daughter goes to high school in Lynn Valley. And that was the first case that came into Canada. And across, you know, in an, in an old age home where the first death was. So it, it hit home really fast and we were getting the news on the way back from Sedona, which um, I got to say was, it was an awesome, it, it was a festival how it should be. Like the Sedona festival was, uh, they're hitting their stride with, you know, just as an event in their fifth or sixth year. And and it was a really good gathering um, of a lot of bike industry folks and had a good turnout and the weather was great. And, and it was it, it just was this eerie feeling driving back to the airport. And then of course we come into customs and, you know, there's different questions on the, you know, entry back in and people are wearing masks and, you know, and, you know, we didn't know in that context, we didn't know a, a lot. And that was around the 9th of March. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of like the first, you, you know, and again, the context of how things even three months ago um, were pretty different than they are now. We, you know, of course, know a lot more. We also don't know how this thing's going to go in, in the next year or two, of course. But, you know, we um, so we, we got back to, to work and debriefed and, you know, we it, it really we didn't. Um, we didn't need to make a decision at that time in March because it was three, three and a half months away. So we just kind of uh, waited to see a, a couple, a, a couple of weeks. And, you know, our colleagues in South Africa, an event we respect and, and admire the Cape Epic, they, they were dealing with this live, you know, Again, the, there was a lot of people in denial and just you know fear and anger and and this isn't happening and and um, so their their event, which is um, you know they have also the international pull. I, I knew some people that were training in North Van that that were over there and and everybody had arrived uh, one to two days before an event as people do with these big events. And right the day before they had to cancel and the the government just came down and said this is. So, so I, I feel for them and we've, I've talked to, to them since and that, that we didn't, I, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, we didn't have to deal with that. We learned a lot from them and how they were able to navigate that. And, and it, it, um, so we, we just had to wait it out and, you know, we communicated with our registered racers and said, Hey, we don't, we don't know, but stand by. So we we um we we took a, a patient approach and um you know i think we you know we had me- meetings every day and touching in with our communities and it was a it felt like a bit of a free fall and it was um definitely a heightened experience of of stress for sure our our leadership team came together instantly and and because we've worked for years together and have this great respect and trust amongst each other you know we were able to you know work through it as a group and and you know with even just helping each other's emotions and and um you know processing ideas and 
coming up with our game plan that we, we really, you know, week by week we were, we, we had a plan and sometimes it, 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 well, not sometimes every week it changed. So we have, uh, you know, up in British Columbia, while, while it hit fast here, uh, it came, it came to Canada first or it was first reported at least. And, you know, our province, we really kind of got on it really, really fast. We have this incredible leader um, who's emerged as a famous uh, Canadian and her name's Bonnie Henry. So Bonnie Henry is the, was the pandemic health. I'm going to botch her, her title, smarty pants person in charge of pandemic who the politicians just stepped aside and just gave her the stage and she just really had this calming uh, tone and she just got everybody to, you know, work in unison. And she put like a, like a, a, a caring, like a feeling to the, she wasn't just reporting numbers of deaths that there was like a, a real empathy to to, to this, to her tone and, and, and her delivery of all this bad news. And, but so anyway, we all kind of rallied around our leader, Bonnie Henry, and they, they went with a very conservative approach fast uh, in BC and Canada. So we really didn't have a lot of uh, choice. Our first step was to postpone it to as late as we could, late September before bad weather, uh, where it's, it's not into October, it's, it's into cold rainy season. So you know, we, we gave ourselves a chance and, you know, we worked with our racers to let them know it's going to be postponed and we'll, you know, work with them on, on their options if they couldn't make that date. But it got to a point where we were again, patient. And then it just came to the reality with our communities and, and the phase, um, it was like a four phase plan that came in from, from, province by province but in in the british columbia provincial phase two three and it just we we couldn't do anything more than 50 people so yeah it just became but you know in that time we were also planning for an event with the numbers we didn't know who how many people would be able to show up so we went down all these these uh contingency planning of of what to do with different numbers and yeah so it was a blur. It, it seems like it was only a week, but at the same time, it, it's felt like a couple of years this last spring. So. In light of the cancellation, um, so for a 2020 registered racer, and, and um, what um, what have you done for what have you done for them, and, and what do they what do they, what does their VCBI race future look like? Right, that's a that's a big loaded <laughs> big question, and uh, what what are the second part to that, um, you know, we've we've taken the time to restructure and re-look at what the BC bike race could look like. Um, but to the first part, you know, with our racers entry, you know, we gave them the option to uh, defer to any future year. So 2021 or, or beyond. And, hmm. you know, for us, we thought that for the long term of you know, our relationship normally with our racers, we, we literally hug them at the finish line. We get to know them. We're, you know, it becomes like a family at the end of this. So this is a, this was a alternate experience for us this year to, to have, 
you know, this kind of dialogue back and forth about, you know, how, how do I get a refund or how, how can I, you know, so people were, I got to say our racers were really understanding of our situation and the refund policy that they agreed to. And, you know, we have this amazing uh, person at BC Bike Race. Her name is Manera Khan and, and she heads up our racer relations. So her dialogue with, with our racers, you know, these are people who've, you know, like I said earlier in, in this conversation of how they've had to organize their lives and, and invest in this, this experience for themselves. So, you know, managing that and, and the, you know, we've kind of had kind of two waves of communicating with our racers. And the first was, you know, I think we're, when we first said, Hey, we're postponed and, and again, it was early, it was still in April. And in this context, people were more emotional. Um, our, I'm going to say that our racers were more or less super understanding. And, you know, we, I, I spoke with, I'm going to say 10 racers on, on zoom and would talk to them and, and everybody for the most part has been super reasonable and understanding. And, and we've, you know, been able to, you know, we communicate with our racers year round from the time they register. So for us to, you know, have that relationship. It's a, it's a different one. Like I tell our racers, normally, you know, we get to know you in the beer garden and we're, you know, yelling each other's faces and high-fiving and, you know, so it's been, it's been definitely, I know, uh, Manera has taken, um, you know, representing Bob and, and the rest of us, she's done an amazing job and, and it, it hasn't come without tears. I mean, she's had to be the person and, and I support her right there as our team does. But um, I got to say like the, the, the blowback from our community has been very not, I'd, I'd say it's been a very respectful relationship and I can't, I can't thank. And, you know, I guess our racers understand and I've, I've tried to explain it to those who maybe didn't understand it initially where, you know, they didn't understand the, the refund policy. And for us is that we have an arrangement and agreement that we're putting on something very extravagant that takes a, a year of planning and, and our racers are paying us handsomely to blow their minds and put on this dynamic event that, the, that everybody's, you know, dreaming of and getting ready for. And, you know, so we, we, we go to work year round and a few months before the event, COVID comes along and derails all that and so what we're what we're agreeing with our racers and is that we will meet down the the line we'll have those hugs and high fives and we're 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 going you're going to get that belt buckle you're you're going to say you're an alumni of the bc bike race it, it's just not now and you know i know a lot of event directors are going through the the same conversation and, you know, for, for us, you know, I've been able to reach out, which has been great, actually, to talk to other event organizers in, this, in the same dilemma and the same boat. You know, we're all, the events are important. They're, they fuel a lot of things uh, for the industry. Um, having a, a goal for racers to, to reach and then there's a consumer side of this. So, you, like, you, you buy a new bike or you buy a new helmet. So that it's good for the industry. You know, sponsors. There's uh, community engagement and community pride, and there's so much that goes into the 
you know, the, all, all these, these events, like the last great one I was at before the world shut down, the Sedona Fest, it, it, it brings people together. It's a community and, and mountain bikers are, I like to say, we're like, you know, crows that are very individualistic type people with, you know, strong sense of self out often on your own. And then we gather at these events, you know, you know, why would people choose to ride with 600 other riders a mountain bike course when they could kind of go do it on their own. Well, we're, we're, we're social creatures. We, we like to gather and we like to gather with people that have the similar values. And at BC bike race, we're, we're living together literally for the week. And, and our staff of 275 people, we're all living on the same base camp, sharing the same shower washrooms and camping on the same property. And, and it's this um, nomadic community that, you know, lives in, lives in mountain bikes together. So there's a lot that goes into this. So, uh, emotional. Yeah. Like for me, the first year in 27 years, I've not been involved with uh, a start finish line and, you know, people are looking for other goals. We're trying to keep them engaged with some virtual things. And, and we, we know we're going to see our racers down the line and we're appreciative that, that they're hanging in there and, and I've had to have some fun uh, in the end fun, but not fun at the beginning conversations, but I've had some great chats with people where at first they're really, you know, kind of upset and bummed out and they, they didn't want any part of this. And in, in the end of the conversation realize that it's good to still have a goal out there, even if it's a, a year from now or uh, half a year, whenever it is to keep that lofty goal is important and and we're we're gonna all see each other someday and events are all gonna look different in our future so we're all adjusting and adapting to the new normal which we're not anywhere near that right now here we are on july 1 like i I know there's a ways to go but humans like need and um like to gather and we're going to gather at some point down the line, it's going to look a little different. And, you know, we're working on, on changes to, to make that happen for, for our future BC bike races. To be clear with your cancellation policy, Dean, like, I mean, realistically, you didn't owe anybody um, another go at it, really. I think that's admirable that you've, that you've done this. <laughs> um, with a cancellation policy, when things are out of your control, you could say, I'm, I'm sorry, we've, we've spent all the money to make this event happen this year. And, and so I, I, that's it. But this is what you're doing to, to give back and say, look, you can come again in the future. You can choose your year whenever it fits into your schedule. I think that's, that's incredible. And if I was signed up for 2020 and that was my reality that I get to come again, I get to go, I get to go do it next year or the year after I'm, I'm thrilled at that result. Thanks for saying that. And what, what it's forced us to do is to really, you know, going into year 14, I mean, it's time for change anyway, perhaps mixing it up. So we're redesigning things to accommodate more people next year to accommodate uh, less base camps, but more exciting base camps, the ability for participants to drive themselves or bring their camper, something different than an option where we've pretty much been the full service. We do everything for you. So now we've, you know, we're going down a redesigning things so that 
people can do BC bike race different. And we're hoping to pick up, you know, maybe some more regional folks that, you know, have their set up with their camper or their van or their truck or their, you know, the van life trailer life, you know, so that, you know, we can, so those are some exciting things that we'll be announcing soon in terms of what BC bike race will look different. And we're, we're now able to, you know, hopefully we'll be in some new communities and we want to mix it up. So this is kind of spurred, I call it the COVID correction in a lot of ways where we're looking at, you know, doing things different out of necessity. And, and now we're thinking about maybe moving the BC bike race around the province of BC. So not uh, always going back to the same communities. And we've talked to the communities that say, you know, that's not a bad idea. You know, so we don't want to be a burden every year on these towns that, so maybe we'll come back every couple of years kind of thing. So mixing it up. And so we're excited about that and, you know, following whatever new protocols are required for, you know, so for, you know, distancing or hygiene or anything that makes it safer. So yeah, changes has been uh, something we've been working on and, and we're excited to announce some, some new changes. Well, Dean, one of the things that I have a little, I guess, mantra that I've really come to appreciate is um, just the the notion um, everything is an opportunity. And uh, I think that's a it's a really good thing to be mindful of, even when things get dark or there's disappointments or, you know, changes to things that we're looking forward to. And I think everything you've just said in the last couple minutes kind of shows me that you've got that sort of everything is an opportunity mentality. So I, I agree with Simon. I think what you're doing, I mean, you did not choose to cancel this. Um, you didn't, you didn't have a choice. And so I think the, what you're doing and how you are proceeding with this is legit and commendable. And, um, I'll, you know, I know I'll be looking forward to hearing more about some of the specific changes you have in mind. I appreciate your kind words. It means a lot, Jonathan. Thank you. Hmm. Well, listen, gentlemen, um, I should let you get back to your evening. And, and uh, Simon, we should let Dean uh, get out of this Canada day without having to, you know, get to midnight talking to a couple of non-Canadians. So uh, seems only seems only fair. He's got some he's got some catching up to do. We, 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 we pulled him out of the sea, out of the game for an hour. <laughs> he's been on the bench. <laughs> Well, well, happy uh, happy Canada Day and happy 4th of July in, in a few days for you guys. Mm. Thank you, Dean. And um, all the best going forward with the decisions you've got in front of you. And uh, we look forward to the BC Bike Race uh, being back to uh, a great annual event in the, in this sport we love. Well, we'll see you soon. It'll, it'll be someday down the road. Thanks, Dean. We'll talk to you soon. Well, that's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. Thanks to Dean and Simon for the conversation. And you can head over to bcbikerace.com to learn more about the race. Finally, I want to say thanks to Jared Farley for producing this episode. And until next time, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again next week.